How about now? There you go. So, as I was trying to say, my name is Michael, and uh, I'm the associate pastor here. It's an honor to be given the privilege to declare God's word to you this morning. And Kristen, I love the slide you threw up of undistracted. If you would do that uh, one more time, I wanted to say one thing about that, because we are excited about this Wednesday night series that will be starting this Wednesday night. So, of course, you can order that on the link that Teresa can send you through Amazon. But as I was looking at this and, and just thinking about even the sermon I have today and uh, focusing on God and all the things that he really wants from us, a couple of things kind of stuck out. It's just a, kind of a funny illustration and hopefully kind of maybe encourage you, may make you a little nervous about society as a whole. But anyway, uh, recently I went through a drive-thru and I was told, don't forget your card. And so it just kind of struck me as a funny thing, because actually recently I had forgot my food at a drive-thru one night after leaving practice, super late night, a lot of stuff on my mind. I'm like, this is really sad that I'm the age that I am, and I literally, you know, had this blunder. But she told me, she was like, no, 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 I, I say don't forget your, your card, and about half the time the person has already driven off. And I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> so here we are. I don't know what you have going on in your life, but would you please take the time to uh, think about coming out Wednesday night, that's uh, 7 o'clock time together. We're going to be going through this book, and we'll have video teaching and discussion. So if you were a part of the Max Lucado series, it'll be similar to that, except it will be kind of more condensed. The video will actually be a part of the 7 o'clock hour, and it'll be five weeks starting this upcoming Wednesday and going into January. Pastor Farrell picked this out. He's super excited about how this will take us into our time of fasting at the beginning of the year, and so it's good for us to be aware of all the things in our heart uh, and to make sure that we're, you know, focusing on the things that God wants us to focus on. Amen? So this uh, morning, I'm going to be preaching to you a sermon entitled Trust. It's just a topical sermon on trust. I was aware that I was preaching maybe a month ago, and it took all of about an hour for God to drop this in my heart. And so Super excited to be with you this morning. Pastor uh, Dan, thank you so much for the Christmas acknowledgments. I, I had a couple things I was going to name off. Uh, one thing I will hit that uh, did not get mentioned, if you signed up for the bus for next Saturday, uh, I have the list. I'll check it twice. I hope you're there for the Christmas light uh, tour that you signed up for. The bus is full, so praise the Lord for a good time. Uh, that will be this upcoming Saturday. Uh, we're leaving the church at 5 p.m. to go check out some Christmas lights uh, with a cup of coffee. And so with that being said, this is not truly a Christmas sermon, but I'm going to save those for the end of the month and at least break open the, the, break the ice on Christmas this morning, if that's okay. Uh, so we'll, we'll touch on the wise men and a few things like that. But this is a topical sermon on trust. And starting off, if you would look with me in Proverbs, we're just starting off with ch chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. I'm sure you know the verse. And it reads, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will make your paths straight. How many of you want a straight path this morning? Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for this time this morning. We thank you, Lord, that God, you do order our steps God, you've called us, Lord, to, God, to understand all these things, Lord, to know you, God, as you know us, and we thank you for that, God. God, we thank you, Lord, that you are a safe refuge to run, for you, run to in a place that, um, God, if there's anywhere that we can trust, Lord, you are that place. And so we give you the glory and the praise this morning. I ask that you would open our ears and our hearts to be soft, Lord, to receive your word. 
that we would receive your spirit, God, and what you want to work in us this morning. And we give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So this morning, a, a simple sermon, I want to preach just two points to you this morning. Two points. And first of all, the point is we trust in God. We trust God in spite of circumstances. In spite of circumstances, we trust God. As I was preparing the sermon, there's a few different things that kind of played into my heart and my mind as I was thinking. And there's a song by Elevation Church, uh, you may have heard it, called I Trust in God. Well, the funny thing about me, the way I grew up, uh, son of a full-time evangelist, I uh, had a home church and was also with my dad a lot and just kind of a very unique experience growing up in the church well, as I was listening to this song and worshiping, I couldn't help but change the words myself to part of the bridge. Very powerful bridge. I love the song, um, but there's part of it that I was like, oh, this doesn't quite, you know, sit well with me. Growing up, my dad would always sing the song, My God is Real, very real in my soul. If you, if you know, you know, beautiful song about God's power and the things that he does in our life. But he would always stop as he's playing and singing, and he would say, yes, my God is real, and I can feel him in my soul, instead of the way the song's written, because I can feel him, right? Well, because I feel him, I've experienced it. You can't take away my experience. Thank God for all those things, but it's not based on the experience. It's not based on the feeling. God is real, amen? So in this song, it, it, it's, the bridge is super powerful and talks about, I sought the Lord, he heard and he answered, and I trust him. And, and to me, if I'm gonna sing that song myself and feel good about it, I'm going to change the back part of that to, and I trust him, even if I trust him. Kind of playing off, a few weeks ago, Larry was preaching on God and the planning and the judgment that happens and thinking about Daniel and the book itself and all the different great stories, and we'll hit on a little bit of that today. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, even if God doesn't save us from the fiery furnace, I'm going to serve him. And so that even if understanding of God is something I think is very important because yes, God does hear us, he does answer us, but if we're not getting the answer that we're looking for, I still trust God. Even if I'm in a real dry season where I don't hear God's voice and I'm like, God, where are you? You feel like Elijah's like, this is just me out here. There's no one, you know, no one else. Even in those moments, we trust God. So this morning, I want to mention a few things to you, and I'll be honest with the way I got the content of the sermon. This was all drops in my spirit, kind of in one moment, but on the way to school one day, uh, I, I read a few different things with the kids, and, and we'll do different things on the way to school. And we have a theology book that we finished, and there was a book on the Psalms. And we were doing Psalms too. It was literally, actually, I'll tell you the truth, it was a chaotic morning. And so I needed the peace of God in my heart that morning as we were going uh, driving into car line, and I finally got open to, to Psalm 2, it began to talk about the wise men. And so help me, this was already the, the sermon that I was preparing to preach, and I was like, you know, I would have never thought tied Psalm 2 to the wise men, but so be it, you know. And so this morning, even though we're not going to flip to Psalm 2 or to Matthew 2, I want to just speak to you a little bit about our heart. Speak to you about this concept of trust and what it means to follow God. So, I'm sure you're aware that there's a lot of chaotic things going on in the world. Um, I don't know what's going on in your life, but I'm sure we all have things that we're going through. Well, again, this week, God was ministering to me in very difficult ways. Sometimes I don't know if God deals with you in struggle and really hard times, but Tuesday morning did not go the way I had planned. 
And later on, I told my wife, Tuesday morning was exactly how it needed to be for me to receive what God had for me. At Durham Ministers in Prayer, there was a rabbi there, and he was a local uh, minister that Pastor Don had, had recommended we reach out to someone in the Jewish community. And it was just interesting. You know the struggle going on right now. You know the, the conflict. And so in talking to this, this brother in Durham, I heard his heart. I heard that he feels the struggle of, of not even being seen and being misunderstood and there being this difficulty and I had already texted the group that I would not be there that, that morning, and I, and I just made it on time to hear the rabbi speak. And it was amazing, because for my heart itself, is exactly what I needed, not only to understand him, where he's coming from, but to say, okay, God, you're so much bigger than I can understand, and you are for your people. There's a very different way that I would you know, express what it looks like and how I would describe theology and God than this brother would, but I love him, I respect him, and I know that God is for his people, and he is for the life and the truth and the gospel going forward, right? And sometimes that looks like a very direct message, and sometimes it looks like a massaging truth of action and love and the peace that we work out within the relationships that God has given us. And so in getting into the scripture this morning, I want to think about a few things. Psalm 2 says, the nations plot a vain plot against the Lord. And certainly we see that happening right now in the Middle East, right? We see the nations coming together and all this struggle and turmoil. But in the spirit, this is the same story that's been going on for so long, right? God is here and he is our refuge is what the final line of Psalm 2 says. And still we see the nations constantly coming against him. And in the middle of Psalm 2 is a great prophetic word about Jesus Christ an iron rod, the scepter, how he is king. And at the time, the psalmist, I don't believe he even had any clue as to what he was writing, but we know in God's perfection that it was so clear and it was meant to be exactly the way it laid out. And if you were to hear me with the Matthew 2 story, some of you may know the details with the wise men, but for those that do not know, there were wise men that came from the east. They saw a star. And they traveled to go see a baby in a stable. Now, I'll get into our next point in this sermon is on why, and so I'll touch on a few of the whys here in just a second. But just think about this from their perspective. I know we don't often put ourselves in the place of the wise men. Matt, if you would, at the end of the service, still was so beautiful. I know I had said worthy of it all. I was initially going to tie in frankincense and incense and all that to worship, but there's time for that in this Christmas season. So still, if that could be at the end of the service. But if you put yourself in the place of this, the wise men going in to worship, right? We know that's how the story winds up. If you're familiar with how the story actually unfolds, you can see how there would be a lot of trouble, right? There'd be a lot of doubt and questioning on the wise men's heart because they show up to where? Jerusalem, to King Herod's palace, looking for this king of Israel. And if you know what happened, they step right into the hotbed of the most paranoid power-hungry, egotistical person they could probably have ever met. And he's asking these questions about the prophecy and, and, and what they know, and he's trying to get an understanding. And if you zoom out real big, there's prophetic things that go on here, and what Herod would do, they even match up Jesus' birth with the time of Moses and all the killing that went on, and just things that are beyond our comprehension, right? 
But in the moment, think about those wise men, right? They're here just innocent people looking for a king, and if it wasn't for an angel's dream, right, things would have really got Herod. The angel comes to Joseph and says, no, 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 go to Egypt. And so Jesus spends the first few years of his life in Egypt. But for these wise men to come and to step off and to go the way they understand and they know, God is doing something so much bigger than they understand. And so this morning, before we get into the second main point of the sermon, I just want to kind of give you a couple why things, because these are encouraging to my heart, the way God works through struggle and circumstance. And when we trust him, he gets all the glory. The most difficult thing about the Old Testament, if you're a a student of scripture, you know that God's people do not do well at following God. So at the end of the Old Testament, it is on a really, really down note. And big picture, the whole second half of the Old Testament is really troubling. Well, this Babylonian captivity and all the struggle that you see in the back half of the Old Testament, I believe sets up what is kind of like a seedbed for this prophetic word and this witness to go forth that how could the wise men from the east know anything about what we're talking? Well, guess what? There was a people that lived in the east that continued to worship God, to continue to follow him, continue to write, and we see this word go forth between Ezekiel and Daniel and all the powerful men, the miracles that happened and the ministry that took place even in difficult circumstances. Difficult circumstances. And the second one, and this is one that I feel a certain strength about, but I'll let you kind of decide for yourself, is, is similar to Pastor Larry talking on the return of the Lord, and you can talk about all these things and say, okay, ultimately, okay, you decide. Here's God's word, you decide. But when the star itself is mentioned, we know it's a star, right? I was talking to my mother-in-law about this. She was like, well, it's not a shooting star, because you know what? I was like, yeah, okay, sure, it's not a shooting star. If y'all remember the supermoon that happened kind of recently with Jupiter and, and whatever, the, the big star, and some of this was talked about then, but there's some fairly recent, in the last 30 years or so, scientific data that has kind of come out that backs up the possibility of this. Now, the only kicker is when you think Herod died, and that's a different debate that I won't get into here. But in Revelation 12:1, personally, and this, you can take this for whatever you will, what I believe is happening between John maybe talking to Mary or whoever else would have any understanding of the eyewitness account of what went on here. In John 12, it says there was a great sign in heaven, and we have these pictures of the Savior being born and these big images happening well, some say, and there's specific kind of, if you map back things that happen in the heavens, because you can calculate all that, it's all fixed. During this time period, potentially the first year that Jesus was born, all the way up until maybe a year into his birth, which lines up very well with the wise men, there were things that were happening that line up just with what is mentioned in Revelation 12, with the, with the woman, and you know you have all the zodiac things in the sky. The woman, and the 12 stars, and all the, the sun passing through. You have... Something that for a learned person, a wise man from the east, that by the way, I don't know if you know this, but cell phones were not invented back then, and the sky was much more important than it is today. Okay, so this, this seems kind of a little strange, but back then a wise person would have understand all these things because they tracked all of it. But there were things that began to happen, and they said for like a 90-minute window at the end of this one-year cycle of things really happening in the heavens, for about a 90-minute window, it was like everything at once. And I believe enough to where it'd be like, okay, it is time. We're going to go see this Savior. Right? Now, this is just my opinion. You can take it or leave it. But that's my understanding of that. And I share it with you because, to me, these kind of things, faith goes beyond science. 
But when you have anything in science, and a lot of times these kind of things try to get pushed down to the, you know, to the side, but if you have anything in science that backs up our faith, I think those things are super encouraging. Now, I may not understand a lot of it. When Gary Bates was here, the most encouraging thing for me from the whole creation ministry presentation was the fossilized teddy bear. Like, that sits with me. You know, like a fossilized teddy bear, I can understand that. You know, talk to Matt if you want to know about the physics and all that kind of stuff. But, but for me, this why is an encouragement. Now, for the second big why of this morning, trust in God. Why do we trust in God? We trust in God because of his nature. Because of his nature. I was talking to Christy about this message, and it's funny. She was like, you've got to say that. I'm like, well, I wouldn't plan on it, but... This morning, I have presented things the way I have because for us, the why that people really get hung up on in not trusting God, it's our circumstances. We went through something really hard, whatever it is, I don't understand, why would God allow evil? You know, we've heard these things, right? These are the, no matter how personal they are packaged, it's always the same type of struggle and difficulty. When we get past that, and we come to God and we see who he is. And on some level there's a divine revelation that that can even happen. I get that. But the why do we trust God is because of his nature. It's because of who he is. God is truth. John 17, 17 says his word is truth. This is cool for my own heart because I wanted to do a sermon on the word in the beginning part of the year and I, I didn't have a release in my spirit on how to do that so we went cornerstone in the different sermons I preached this year. But now at this point I can tell you and I'll give you more detail next week when I'm doing the announcements. There's an event happening March 1st in D.C. where we're going to be going to the Museum of the Bible. Now I say we, our church as a whole is not going but I within the fellowship network are you know, participating in a, in a small event where we're going to this Museum of the Bible as a regional. And so I'll give you more information about that next week. But the cool thing about the Word of God, and I'm going to jump into Psalms 119 here in just a minute, is that you can never get enough. There's never a point to where it's, okay, I've read the Bible now, I understand it. Right? That's, that's not, it's not a thing. That, that doesn't work. There's not a, okay, well, I've read it, you know, every year of my life, and now I'm 92, and now I understand it, right? God showed me something new for 92 years. That's, that's also not how it works. It's alive, and it's sharper than a two-edged sword, and it's constantly poking us exactly where we need it, and often in ways that we don't understand. The cool thing about this is when you come to, again, to the book of John, we know that God himself has revealed himself in the word. Talking to our kids recently about the creation of the world, doing some Advent devotions, and Jesus Christ is the vehicle in which the creation happened. We're told that he's the word. Well, guess what? God spoke, let there be light, and through Jesus, God made all that we see today. That, to me, is so powerful. Psalm 119, 105 says, Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And there's lots of songs that you can have written off of Psalm 119. If you don't know, it's an acrostic of the Hebrew alphabet. It's the longest chapter in the entire 
Bible where every single stanza you have, boom, 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 you have every single Hebrew alphabet letter, the first line of each eight verse set is the Hebrew. Like, look, I don't understand Hebrew well enough to understand that, but I understand enough to tell you that it's a very complex and beautiful passage of Scripture. And in Psalms 119, not only is that well-known verse there, but the verse, order my steps, is there. We sing the song. Matt, this is partially what even prompted the Spirit, just singing that song that morning, about a month ago. And one encouraging thing I want to share with you, some of you that know me real well, will, this will make the most sense to you, but it's good in general. On a positive note, recently I had been the most encouraged just the last few weeks in something personally in my life that I could have never asked for or it could not have happened on its own. But I play basketball now, twice a week, at 6 a.m. in the morning. Now, those of you that know me well, you know this is definitely a God story because this, <laughs> this is not something of my own accord. But it's one of those things where just seeing where I'm at at this point in my life, I had got to the point where, okay, I've got three kids and I'm not old, but I, you know, you, 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 your mind tells you these things and whatever. And you're like, well, I used to drive to Raleigh to play basketball and now I play less and what have you so forth. The way these things came about in my life that where I'm even in this group was totally a God thing. If you know me, you know I'm not an extroverted person, right? I'm not one to invite my things to self to things and not, not even one to walk into a room where I don't know people and stay, right? But that's, this is something that, that thankfully God ordered my steps in such a way that just like through little conversations and me being in the right place at the right time, and in some ways what was initially supposed to be an evangelistic thing was actually more of a ministry to me because of how God used it to bless me. Now, that being said, this verse that's on the screen right now is something that I say for now because in some ways I feel like this is kind of the most important verse of this entire sermon. When I think of order my steps, I'm always thinking, okay, what's the next thing I should do? And I don't know if you're like me, but you, I don't, some of you maybe think in the small granular things, but I'm often thinking of the big, what's the next big step, right? Or we, we tell ourselves these things uh, about what we need in our life or what's important. Did you notice the verse and what the context of order my steps? Look at the back half of the verse. Do not my, let my steps be ordered through your word. Direct my steps by your word. Do not let any sin dominate me. Direct my steps according or by your word. Do not let any sin dominate me. The back half in the context of this verse is sin. It's sin. Literally this morning I was talking to my kids in the back in the mother's room just you know, trying to keep my heart quiet and be ready for this morning and I said something about our hearts being dark I must have said something about the nation's rebelling or whatever it was. I said, do you know why? And Owen was like, no, why? I don't know why. <laughs> and then when I said something about our hearts being dark, James said, yeah, our hearts are dark, right? Okay. But, but, and they're, typically they should be red, but because of sin, they're, they're dark. And so, and so I told him, and I think it's effective enough that I'll tell you all the exact same way, that our hearts get dark and they keep us from loving other people. Right? It's not literally our, our organ, you know, we have, and he doesn't even understand that kind of stuff yet, but it, this is not something that, it's just a matter of our heart is meant to love and to engage in this kind of way, but so often we're focused on ourselves. And we couch it in lots of good things, right? We, we couch it in 
practicality. We couch it in busyness. We couch it in, well, you don't know. I, I can give you the reasons why this is why I'm doing it, right? There are a lot of important reasons. And the truth is, the ordering our steps, the internal struggle is always so much more critical than whatever's going on in the external. That struggle that only you and the Lord are aware of. That's the important part. And the kicker is, in, in the sense of putting ourselves over God, and this is something that I don't want you to raise your hand or, you know, to really, we're not going to go into a deep, small group discussion on this. How many lives are we willing to tell ourselves to get ourselves to think that our way is actually God's way? And how do we know if we know the answer to that? Because we do it. We're so good at it. We're so, so good at it. And the last verse I want to throw on the screen is John 1, 43. It's really just two words. John's talking to Philip. And in the call to be a disciple, he simply says, follow me. Follow me. And it really is what he says to all of us. He says, follow me. I have one last story that I want to share with you this morning. And I don't know, I may have mentioned earlier about the if then and if I would acknowledge this now. But I have an even if story that I guess is getting close to a decade old now. Um. And I promise you, I'm not sharing this because it's the end of V-Week and whatever. I was going to share this regardless. I didn't even know. I'm a state guy, and I had no clue it was V-Week. If, if you knew my mom, uh, sweet lady, I can say this, and this is, means a lot considering that she was a stay-at-home mom. Uh, you know, I mean, me being her son. Like, she's probably the nicest person that I've ever met. And so, you know, I saw the ins and outs and all of it, and so it says a lot. Um, but she passed in the beginning of 2017. And our little girl, Anna Lewis, is named in honor of her. That's the maiden name that we carried forward um, and so it was Chrissy's idea. I'm like, yep, that's a great idea. <laughs> so we carried that name for six years. But the cool thing about all the way all that played out for me personally in my own heart, we got married, Chrissy and I got married in 14, and I don't remember exactly when it was, but it was shortly after that that we found out my mom had to have a brain surgery. Now, she had had cancer for whatever time, whatever, but it was in her cerebellum. If you know anything about this, this is like the, the little brain of the brain. It was a critical moment. And I remember, and I'm trying not to get emotional. My dad did not ask for prayer that I can remember, probably outside of this time. And I remember, I was probably, it wasn't right when he called, but it was just in the sense of, of the worship and practicing up here, and I was here by myself. And I stopped and I went over there and knelt. And I just simply prayed for, for God to work, for him to heal her. And I said, you know what, Lord? And it was, it was probably the most emotional, uh, you know, whatever, passionate, tearful prayer that I've ever prayed. But I was like, God, I'm going to serve you no matter. Even if you don't answer this prayer the way I'm wanting you to answer it, I'm going to serve you. And I remember feeling such a release. And I don't know if it's a spot with, like, you know, a mom and a son and whatever, but and we weren't even, like, it's not like we were super chatty all the time. We talked a ton, but it's just this constant, you know, a constant. 
And the cool thing about all that is even though she did pass, the time we had with her was an amazing time that she walked out of that surgery and she was fine. You know all the things that she could have went through, right, with the, the motor skills and all that's tied to that part of your body. And I think it was two and a half years or so, the two and a half years after that prayer and to where she actually, you could notice a difference. And then it was only a couple months before she passed. But it, it, it went from being this pivotal moment in my life to where I'm a young, you know, 20-whatever person and say, okay, God, this is hard, but I'm putting her in your hands. My walk is not dependent on any of these outside circumstances. And probably the person at the time that I would say I loved as much or for as long as anyone, you can't put anything on a pedestal. And so that's why I share that with you this morning. I've told it to, I've told it to some people, but I share it to you to let you know that there is literally nothing that is too hard for God. We know that God heals and he is powerful. But sometimes what God wants is foreign to us, Right? Because we see, right, our perspective is what it is, right, for better or for worse. Our perspective is what, and we all think it's rose-colored, right? We all have our rose-colored glasses on that, well, you know, Michael, he's pretty great, you know. You met that Michael guy? Wow, you know, he can tell you all the good things about it. Like, that, we can all do that, right? And even if you're not the, the boastful or the loud type, we have this perception of ourselves, and this is how we do things, right? Well, God is outside of that. And God says in the first commandment, and the main whole structure of the law, is that you'll have no other God before me. Amen? That's what the law says. That's all the, you know, 600 whatever laws. That's the point of the law. And so we're to worship him and to put all of this at his feet. Matt and Tim, if you would come. This morning, I don't know what you're going through personally. I have no idea. I can say for a matter of fact, I don't know anything about any one of you when it comes to the depths of your heart. I have no idea, but I know who does. And the cool thing about our God and his nature and just the beauty of understanding who he is is God knows us, and he still died for us. He still overturned heaven and earth. And you think about all the things in the scripture and the struggle and the things that build to a certain point. And I want, to be, I want to be honoring to what God wants to do this morning. So before we go any further, we're all going to just rest and gauge our hearts. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you do not know the Lord is your personal Savior this morning, and I'm not making anyone, asking anyone to make a, uh, a hurried decision, But perhaps this is something that you can't even explain it. You don't understand, but you know you have this burning in your heart. I ask you to respond. 
And the same way those wise men bowed before a baby in a stable, will you do that this morning? To the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who paid every price, who bore it all, who knows you and actually knows every awful thing you've ever done, every thought that you've had, he knows it all, and he experienced all of that turmoil while hanging on a bloody cross. And in that moment, he knew it intimately. And he thought, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go through with this because I love them that much. So if that's you this morning, I want you to accept him as your Lord and Savior. You can raise your hand. You can run down here to the front. You can walk out of here and tell someone that you love deeply of the decision that you have made. But however you want to do that, I ask that you would turn over to him the one thing that God desires. Because when he created us, he created everything good. And still he created us to have this free will, have the opportunity to go astray. But he did that so that he could be worshipped. And so this morning, I ask that you would lay it all down, lay the pride down, lay all the, all the stuff, all the personal things that we hold on to, and to put it in his hand. And that, that being said, if, as you're able, would you stand and worship this morning as we sing to him?